right, I, I haven't got time to mark this motherfucker. Here we go again. We can't hear anybody. Nobody can talk to anybody. Guest at Pressure Points with your two favorite hosts, I'm D, and this is Overwhelmed AJ. We're coming at you with Season 5, Episode 18, The Swedish Schindler. It's a bit of a tongue twister, <laughs> but it's going to be a good one. I'm going World War II today, so find us on Instagram and Twitter, at Points Pressure. Get ready, cutie pies. Well, turn the fucking thing off, you dumbass. Have you? Can you tell our our voices are smoother, <laughs> more uh, controlled, more refined? More refined. Yeah, uh, we're lighting up in the studio today, but not with the uh, not with the good stuff. Not, not with the, the stuff good that we normally. Stuff. Yeah, this is uh, AJ got himself a cigar, some Cubans. Well, I got you this Cuban. My Cuban's still upstairs. Yeah. Am I smoking yours? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I'd be able to get through it. Fuck that. No. I don't know. I've never smoked a cigar before, so... I've well, that's not true. I had a, a Black and Mild once. <laughs> well, that's about it. I just love the name. Just fucking Black Cigarillos. And yeah. Gotta love them. I think it was, like, Vanilla. Okay. Or something. The best Black and Mild is the wood tip wine. Those yeah. Ones are yeah, so that's... Because you bought them. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Then, that, yeah. then that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's fancy. And now... Now, not only does it look like a 70s basement, but it smells like yes. one. Um, My future home. Yeah, smells where you will like a soon 70s be basement. Living. More so than it would have in, you know, a month. <laughs> uh, yeah, so here we are. I saw you raise an eyebrow at the overwhelmed AJ. I'm not overwhelmed. You seemed overwhelmed when you were talking about your upcoming classes. Oh, oh, well, yeah, with. Uh... Which is when I wrote that. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Our dear boy, our dear boy AJ is getting back into school. Another semester. It was a great two weeks. He's got to repeat the last one because he failed all of his courses. They're actually like half my class (laughs) between the two classes, the two big classes that I took last semester. Half of them, at least. No, not even that. Like by the end of the semester, half of the people had dropped out. Okay. And then by the last final... We lost a handful more to grades. Jesus Christ. We had one person who got kicked out because they failed that badly. God damn. Like, me. It was me. It was you. <laughs> How'd you know? Yeah. No, like, I, I don't get, like, it, one of the cases, awesome dude who I'm sad he's not in this next one because he's a phenomenal healthcare worker. Uh, he was a firefighter for a while. But... He, in his case, he got in a car accident. Jesus. And his wife had to go through a bunch of surgeries and a pain in the ass. Because he died. No. Um, So it makes sense. Like, it sucks. He was very close to passing. Damn. The other person that I sat with, who they always made it a competition to try to get a better score on every test than I did. uh, I don't know how they failed. Because they were doing great on tests. I guess they just didn't do homework. Yeah, Jesus. Sounds like me. It was ridiculous. Another person got into a car accident, but it was like a... It was a fender bender. (laughs) And (laughs) And they dropped out. They're like, And they just... They just didn't do... Like, so... It's because their car uh, accident wasn't as detrimental as the other one. And they were like, I can't show my face. It has to be worse. 
they were trying to one up the other person so badly. They they uh, so in the pharmacology class, it's like a bunch of tests, and then the other thing, pretty much the only other thing that we get graded on, is drug cards. And the you have to pass the class with seventy eight percent. And somehow they didn't, because they kept getting forty percent on all their tests and didn't do any drug cards. Idiots. I'm surrounded Fucking by idiots. failure. Yes, you are. Oh, I realize I've, I'm listening to myself talk. I realize it sounds weird because I have the active noise canceling on. Oh, I was going to ask about awesome that. You said headphones. that it sounded weird earlier. Yeah, it was just me. It sounds much cleaner. Oh, good. Yeah. So how, how was your week? Uh, yeah, nothing too crazy. Oh, there's shit in the bottom of my glass. Because oh, you asked your cigar in there oh yeah I'm just isn't that what everybody does uh yeah just another standard week in in the life of d you know uh, so you do one thing at work and then set a timer for 12 minutes and take a nap yeah they do another thing at work yep. timer for 12 minutes I've, I've figured out how to cheat the system of my job and work every 12 minutes for four minutes so it's it's been good actually perfect hey yeah. that's a great return yeah. on investment Fuck the system honestly. you work for four minutes and you get paid for 20 yeah oh yeah it's not bad also, so, yeah, fuck the system. Exactly. So, uh, as long as nobody listens to this and knows who I am where I work, I should be good to go. Oh, yeah. And the the one person who listens to this and knows where you work, you would got a new job, so they don't know where you work anymore. Hmm? Yeah. There's somebody that I used to work with that knows No, no, somebody that knew where you worked. In your last job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then you changed it. Yeah, so here you're we good. Are. You're yeah. clear. You're in Fuck the clear. It. I'm set. Um, uh, I was going to ask you something. I don't remember what the fuck it was. <laughs> I'm a little uh, tired. We, we are going to start off this episode about a discussion whether garlic is a vegetable. First, I've never seen Schindler's List. Oh, okay. That's okay. But, I mean, I know the story. Okay. I also know that. There are a lot of people who did pretty much exactly what he did, but didn't get any recognition at all and saved tens of thousands oh my more. God. So many, dude. Um, I'll be talking about two people in this episode. But before any of that, I'm pressing this. Yes. We were talking garlic about. Garlic yeah. is a vegetable. No, well, because we were talking about our vegetable intake, which is onion and garlic. Yeah. Potentially the garlic. The best vegetables. Mm hmm. That's why so, we smell like that. I have an excerpt from Healthline.com. Ooh. Yeah, the first time we've had a ref, we've put put our references and shit in this, and it's a shit reference. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is garlic a vegetable? Botanically, garlic is considered a vegetable. It belongs to the onion family alongside shallots, leeks, and chives. So it is a vegetable. You heard it here first in the episode. That's all we need to talk all about right. now. Hey, thanks, uh, Patreon. Hey, thanks for uh, listening. And now nah, that's good. You good? Yeah. Okay. So, I'm doing a World War II episode. Once is again. it because I've been straying yes. from World War II? Yes. Which I've been more just Cold we, War. We ebb and flow it. Yeah. So that it's not World War II all the ebb time. Ebb and flow. There's so many fucking. World War II stories, and it's like, holy shit. It's because it was well-documented, yeah, and it was so before much. the active suppression <laughs> by the CIA and FBI God, right. of documents. So. Oh, God. So, 
Uh, we're going to go back and we're going to talk about a man by the name of... Schindler. No. Uh, uh, Swedish. Raul. Raul. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. That's what I saw it was pronounced as. How do you spell it? R-A-O-U-L. Raul. 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 Yeah, Rodal. It's rural. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Raul... Raul Wallenberg uh, graduated high school uh, back in 1912, I believe, and he spent a little less than a year in the, not 1912, Jesus, it was like, <laughs> he was born in 1912, fuck's Holy sense. shit, we're off to a great start. Yeah, we're killing it. It's I'm just still thinking about garlic. Um, <laughs> I get it. So, uh, graduated high school and spent a little less than a year in the Swedish military. Uh, then... After he was like, no fucking thank you, uh, he started studied architecture in Paris for a year, uh, which he was sent there by his grandfather, who was a diplomat. And then he moved to Michigan in 1931 to study architecture at the University of Michigan. It's a big fucking change yeah. in the 20s to go from <clears throat> Stockholm, Sweden, all the way over to to fucking michigan yeah michigan in the u.s <laughs> fucking wild and uh he he would work like odd jobs while he was in school and at the same time whenever he would have vacation time instead of going home uh he would hitchhike across the united states of course yeah i mean as one does when everyone's trustworthy in the fucking 30s i mean i don't know <laughs> when <laughs> when there's a depression and everyone's trying to leave where they're from yeah there's more desperation <laughs> yeah uh and he was traveling so much like that that he in letters that he was sending to his grandfather uh he said when you travel like a hobo everything is different you have to be on the alert the whole time you're in close contact with new people every day and it gives you training in diplomacy intact which uh down the road certainly helps this guy out. <laughs> now, in 1935, he graduated and he returned to Sweden to discover that his degree in architecture is not honored as a certification for architecture in Stockholm. Perfect. So, should have checked yeah, before I you mean, went. Fucking the grand old United States education system fails a fails a college graduate once again. Oh, don't uh, remind me. So, uh, he ends up speaking with his grandfather and his grandfather says, hey, look, I know a guy in fucking South Africa. So he works down in South Africa for about a year, comes back to Sweden again and he starts working for an international trading company that was currently run in 1936 by a Hungarian Jew. So, after about two years of working under this guy, uh, the Nuremberg race laws are put in place in Bulgaria. Um, well, just overall in fucking Hungary. Because Hungary was not... Under the control of Germany, but they were more or less an ally with yeah, they were what Germany was doing. So, <clears throat> these Nuremberg race laws are put in place, and because of how all of these are laid out, it kind of states like, hey, no 
inter like you can't marry Jews if you're not one. You can't spend nearly as much time. They shouldn't be able to come in and out of Hungary. Like there are so many restrictive laws that Raul's boss isn't able to travel to Hungary without dealing with like days and days of bullshit well, each for, time. For a lot of places it even revokes your citizenship of the country you were born and living in. Like it really fucked up a lot it's, of people. It's fucked. And I mean they're they're both working in um they're both working in Sweden. However oh shit, it's literally melting the wax to it. Nice. <laughs> Um, so they're both working in Sweden. And so his boss says, Raul, I want you to roll. I think it's Raul. No, I know. I'm just giving um, shit. So he says, I want you to take over what's going on in Hungary. I want you to take over our operations there. Um, and I'll just run things everywhere else because I don't want to have to keep dealing with this. Just please... Go and check in on my family as often as you can. Report back. That's that's all I ask if you're going to do this. And so Raul accepts. He he has no problem doing it. And uh, over the three over the next three years, uh, he actually ends up learning Hungarian. Um, he makes these solid connections, and he gets promoted to international director. So so this kind of puts him in a position where now he begins working heavily with Germany and occupied areas of France. So it's about 1941, right? And he's he's bouncing between Hungary, Germany, France, and Germany, and or <clears throat> Nazi France and Germany, and he's just making connections along the way. Like it's this is a huge opportunity it's a huge company that he's working for yeah. and it's opening a lot of fucking doors for him one second oh you gotta you gotta puff some of the candle wax that melted onto the uh it's pretty much well out so uh in 1941 he is invited to go see a british anti anti anti-Nazi propaganda movie with his sister, which was banned in Sweden. However, uh, they were able to go see it in the British embassy that's in Stockholm. So they go watch Pimpernel Smith, um, which in the United States is known as Mr. V. Um, and it's a movie about a man posing as an, as an archaeologist to discover Aryan origins of the Germans. However, on the backside of what he's doing, this guy's pulling like some really good sneaky spy shit and he's like posing as a fucking scarecrow in one scene and then jumps <laughs> down and like shoots a Nazi in the face or whatever. Uh but at the end of the movie he ends up saving around 28 Jews from Nazis and gets them out of Germany. So this this movie kind of lights a fire under Wallenberg's ass. He he sees it and he's leaving with his sister and uh, she talked about it later and said, we thought the film was amazing. When we got up from our seats, Raul said, this is the kind of thing I'd like to do. Ooh, and okay. 
it's very fucking telling as to how he starts handling his business in international trade. He, so a few years go by and in March, 1944, Hitler realizes that the Hungarian leader is in peace talks with the U S and Britain. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Previously all was well. Well, Hitler and I mean, all was mm, well between them, I should say. And then um, everything was going great. Yeah, every everything for everyone was so good in Hungary before March (laughs) 1944. No, God, it's fucking (laughs) it's fucking terrible. Um, So. Because the leaders in peace talks, Hitler gets word of it and he's like, what the fuck? And. Yes, they are still honoring Nuremberg laws. However, Hitler says, occupy Hungary right now. We're deporting all of the Jews. Like, if if they're going to be under somebody who's with my enemies, they're done. So, they they end up putting the leader of Hungary on house arrest. um, And they monitor all of his communications. Uh, so let's see. So hundreds of thousands of Jews end up getting picked up, uh, over the next like two months, I believe, uh, they end up getting just under 500,000 Jews deported from Hungary. I mean, That's a decent two chunk. fucking months. Like it's just wild to, an unfortunate to see German efficiency at its best in 1944. Yeah. Uh, now, Carl Lutz, uh, who had previously, over the last like two years, uh, had been utilizing and distributing Swiss safe conduct documents. Uh, he he was he was Swiss, and what he would do is um, he worked with the embassy in Hungary and he would go around and he would just give like anyone that was wearing a yellow star, he would hand them a safe conduct document, which is basically like, imagine if Putin current day, if Putin was like, Hey, I want to come to the U S or I want to go to the UN and have peace talks. He would be granted a safe conduct, um, a safe conduct document that would grant him more or less immunity for a specific amount of time that just says, Hey, we're not going to shoot him on site. We're not going to fucking kill this guy. He's here on a diplomatic level and he's okay to be in this area. He's just passing through in a way. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, obviously he's a much like higher, higher power of than just a regular Jew in Hungary. But Giving these during wartime is fucking vital for Jews because it shows that you aren't a regular citizen of this country. It's like, hey, they're just passing through Hungary. They're here for just a little bit, maybe visiting family. They're they're here on vacation, whatever. They're allowed to be here and you can't deport them. Exactly. So they're able to pass through. They can go to Switzerland, whatever. They can go to any neutral country and do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, it basically point. says there's another country that is... That knows that they're here, and if they don't come back, there's going to be hell to pay. That's exactly. that kind of idea. And so it's kind of a get-out-of-Holocaust-free card. 
That's um, terrible. That should have been the name of the of the get all, episode. Get out of Holocaust free cards. Uh, we'll go back and change it. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so over two years, he hands out thousands of these documents. Um, and Carl was actually contacted by another Hungarian diplomat with more or less a research study into what was happening in Auschwitz and how many people were being deported. And this document itself is like 30 pages long. And I mean, it's damning material for Germans. This is stuff that like, as soon as Lutz has his hands on it, he leaks it to Britain. He leaks it to the U S and basically all of the UN. And, uh, after Rose, uh, Roosevelt gets his hands on it, he creates this, this group called the war refugee board. Um, and the UN joins in and everyone starts funding this war refugee board. But on the backside of the war refugee board, they're creating the office of strategic services. Yeah. OSS. Yes. So the OSS is basically a UN or allied controlled espionage group. It's a, it's, it was us. Oh, it was, it, US. it was us based. It's basically, it split after the war and became the FBI and the CIA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just carrying out tasks at the time for the War Refugee Board and getting all the funding for the War Refugee Board while still keeping everything as under the table as possible. They also distributed, like, leaflets to resistance groups. It's fucking they, crazy. My favorite publication from the OSS is called Simple Sabotage, and you can find it online. It's awesome. And it's still super, like, relatable to today. But basically, the entire premise of the book... They would distribute it to resistance members and sometimes just drop them. Jesus. And the entire premise is, so you want to rebel against the Nazi occupiers, but you don't want to get caught. (laughs) So it's how to sabotage your workplace. Are you working at a tank factory? About this one, yeah. Put a little bit of sand in the lubricating oil. Yeah, just like just a little tiny thing. A pinch. Like there are a lot of chemicals that you wipe up with a rag. A lot of oil. I think it's like, yeah, oils and shit that if you just leave them at room temperature exposed to oxygen, they'll ignite after like six hours. Jesus. So like, yeah, just don't put it in the appropriate receptacle, throw it in the bottom of a trash can, ah. and then it'll burn down the factory when you're at home. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. That's sick. I like that a lot. Yeah, um, I love I love burning down places. Yeah. I, I mean. I love fire. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is... <clears throat> So while they're working under all of this, like, secret guise, they end up reaching out to a man by the name of Raul Wallenberg. Uh, And they find out, you know, this guy is in the perfect position to be in the OSS because he's he's a citizen of a neutral country. He wants to save Jews. He's very outspoken about wanting to save them. And he's... Already worked alongside Germans previously. He has name recognition and he knows how to fucking work those things. So uh, they take him in. They start doing a little bit of training, kind of bring him on. And Wallenberg is all about it. Like dude hops on board in no time at all. Uh, So he arrives in Hungary in the summer of 1944 
and there are only about 230,000 Jews remaining, which is fucking wild. Yeah, that's a shitload. I mean, considering that months, taken. months before, they've taken double that already, most of which, like I said, have ended up in Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. So, or Treblinka. Yeah. Or Dachau. Uh, no, like the majority. I think they, it was, it I was think Auschwitz it was like, specifically. I guess like 15, geographically that makes sense. Only like 15% ended up not going to Auschwitz. Like, they were going just fucking oh, yeah. straight this is, there. This is yeah. later in the war. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is 44. Um, so, at this point, in 1944, the Nazis had caught on that Karl Lutz had his safe conduct documents were basically like a, a sneaky little legality. So, the Germans are just like, we're not fucking honoring that anymore. We're occupying Hungary. This has no stand, but you still have 8,000 of those that you can distribute because, you know, this is like, hey, final warning, whatever you've got left, distribute. Carl Lutz goes, okay, well, I have 8,000 left and they're like, all right, you can distribute those, do your thing. But after that, if you're doing it again, we're shipping you off. Like that's, yeah, it's against the law. So I... They had to figure out the OSS now had to figure out how to get a, get around Germany's like stopping the dis- distribution of these. So Raoul gets with the OSS and breaks down what it was like working directly with Germans for years. And he he says, you know, if you come in there with like a very authoritative position and you're in a position you say hey look i'm i'm so and so i have these these are legal and they look legal these guys aren't going to question it yeah they'll go for it yeah uh i mean they're already fucking following an authoritarian dictator so (laughs) somebody else that shows authority is probably going to stop them in the tracks um now obviously this is a bit more extreme of an, an example because this is wartime. It's not like, oh, he can just show up and say, no, we're doing trade talks here and makes it happen. This is a completely different situation. So the OSS gets a plan together and they create Swedish documents, um, which are basically just passports, more or less, that um, they break down like they're protective passports that they're set to appear as though anyone in possession of it would be a Swedish citizen that's awaiting rep- repatriation. Um, but because it's for Sweden and a neutral country, it stops any deportation. Like it's it's so fucking uncanny that how how much these two things look alike. Um so much so that uh, Wallenberg gets his own out and he's like, okay, our normal document looks like a regular passport, but if we want these to look Swedish, we're going to give them a little bit of a yellow tint. We're going to like give some of them a bit of a blue tint because they'll be a little older. We're going to put this Swedish yellow plus in the back for the flag. And then in the corner, he gets his initials RW on there with the little Swedish crown over it to show that it was distributed by him, which is great because he's currently posing as the Swedish ambassador in 
Hungary. Ah, where was the actual Swedish ambassador? I don't believe that they had one, but if they did, they would have fucking, I'm sure that they just told him, hey, get the fuck out of here. I'm sure after the occupation of Germany, (laughs) he dipped the fuck out. That's great. Yeah, I know, really, though. Um, Very smart. It reminds me a lot of Garbo, the way he would doctor documentation. Uh, So, um, though this is completely illegal, fuck the Nazis, and all of these appear completely legit. So, most of the Nazi officers buy it. They're like, oh, well, this is why these guys, this is why none of these people were deported in the first two months. Because they're Swedish. They're Swedish. Somebody else checked their documents, whatever, they're fine. Fuck it. Or if somebody was like, I know this this shit is fake, they would just bribe them to fuck off. <laughs> so Easy enough. It's fantastic. Uh, so eventually, this kind of falls through, and Germany stops accepting the passports. However, once again, the fucking genius of... of German diplomats for some reason says whatever you have left you can still distribute and that's it how many do you have and they go uh around 9000 or something and they're like german goes germany says okay fine 9000 more that's it cuz you've already got the 8000 that Karl Lutz has so wallenberg dips his fingers into the refugee board's pockets and he goes listen if i can't get it If I can't make more of these documents, if we can't create more of this stuff, then I'm going to buy 32 buildings in Budapest and we're going to make them extraterritorial, which then diplomats, it it grants diplomatic immunity. Yeah, that that would make it a like a. um, It's like a city state. No, it's a like an embassy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. You know, the Swedish embassy, it's technically Swedish laws, Swedish laws on the land. It's like hallowed ground. They can't fucking do anything yeah. there because exactly it's it's not Hungary ground anymore. So he buys all of these and they're putting up signs that are like Swedish Research Institute, <laughs> Swedish library, like Swedish barracks and shit like that. That's just like. The Nazis come up to it. What the fuck are you guys doing? And they're like, hey. You can't step on here. You can't come in here. Do you have this a passport? Is, yeah. Like... This is, they all have diplomatic immunity. They're housing people here. They're bringing people in because they're like, hey, these guys have their passports. We can't quite move them to Sweden yet, but we're going to keep a lot of people here. Mind you, some of the people that they were bringing in, they didn't have enough passports to really hand them out yet. So well, they it's just not have, like yeah. I mean, they can take anybody in that they want. Yeah, it's not like the cops were pounding on the door saying, "Let me see all the yeah. all your passports," because it was foreign ground. Yeah, Genius. because they're already they don't good. need the documentation. Yeah, they're already covered until they can get smuggled out. Like until they actually <laughs> are able to leave. It's fucking ingenious. And anyone that leaves just grabs a fucking passport from somebody else that's in in the neighborhood. And they're they set. Dip on out. They're they're safe to come back. So this is working phenomenally. Um, and with the remaining eight thousand passes for Lutz and nine thousand for Wallenberg, they go right back to work. They're like, okay, we're distributing the shit out of the last ones. So Lutz takes his eight thousand um, 
safe conduct passes, and he gives one to each Jewish family. Ah, okay. So, um, it grants them departure to Sweden, and the Germans realize so many people have left, and they're like, how the fuck, like, this isn't Where how is this everybody? works. This and Lutz says, oh, I must have misunderstood. After, after all these families have left, he says, oh, I misunderstood. I thought this applied to one per family because I <laughs> thought they would just go to head of household. And obviously, if if the father of the family is holding a safe conduct pass, clearly his wife and children would be clear, too. So he gets Love it. well over 8,000 people out. I mean, more than Potentially likely. like four, five, yeah, six times that. Exactly. Um and then Wallenberg takes his 9,000, which has mysteriously turned into like 20,000 at this point. <laughs> um, and Waller goes to a train that's being boarded for Auschwitz. Uh, and they drive up in this big truck. They've got boxes of these passports in the back. And he gets out of the truck and the Germans start shouting at him. They start shooting pop shots like over his head, by his feet, warning shots telling him, hey, get the fuck out of here. Nobody can come talk to these guys. And Wallenberg just holds out his passports and he goes, no, 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 no. These people are Swedish and I have their passports here. And he just starts handing them out to everybody. He's walking along the side of the train, holding him up, and people are just reaching their hands out, grabbing these. And as soon as, like, the the box or two that he's got in his arms are empty, and he's like, everybody's got one, he says, uh, let's see, I've got it. He says, you can't take these people away. They're all Swedish citizens. Everyone, show your papers. Show your papers, people. And so everybody starts holding up these, these protective passports. And there are a couple people that are like... Yelling through, they're like, we don't have them. And he shows, he says, put up any document that you have. Yeah, they're not going to check exactly. They, so <clears throat> people are all raising up their, their passports. People are raising out documents to show that they're Jewish. They're raising up anything they can. And because all of these people are rushing out of the train station at the same time, no one is taken to Auschwitz on that train. Solid. Everybody gets out and... Wallenberg hops back on his truck, goes back to his newly created Swedish embassy, and kicks his feet up. Mind you, they're employing people in this area. They're giving people, like, a place to live. They're feeding them. It's amazing what he was able to do just with, like, I mean, obviously, it's under the refugee board, but... He's taking that money and putting it back into these people that so desperately need the help in the best way possible. Well, it really outlines the ridiculousness of the weird politics between countries Yeah. at the time. Like, there's so much that if you're smart enough to figure it out and you're ballsy enough to actually execute it, there's a lot of weird loopholes and weird laws that i mean hell even the nazis would uphold for some fucking reason yeah. like yeah at any time they could just sweep over that complex and kill everybody there but might cause an international incident. exactly if you're going after a neutral power then 
That's not U- good. The UN takes a bigger stance and pushes further into things. Um, or the allies push harder. They all yeah, kind of get together. A lot of and people. they go, hey, you're not taking Hungary. If you're going to do this to a neutral power that's that's on their ground in Hungary, then, yeah, we'll fucking take Hungary Well, it's back. like, yeah, here's a neutral country, and then you attack them. Well, they're not neutral anymore. Yeah, exactly. And now their allies are going to enter as well, and then potentially other neutral countries. Like, it creates it just, a, a cascade of issues, so it's super yeah. smart. So, Germans eventually come to the uh, extraterritorial buildings, and they're knocking on the doors. They end up getting through, and they're just grabbing anybody. And they're taking them over to the river, the river Danube, uh, which was known for Jewish executions. Uh, there was one account that I read that people were like, we used to refer to it as the blue, blue Danube. Um, but once all of this started happening, it transitioned into the red Danube because of how many people were just executed right next to it. They'd fall into the river and it would sweep them away. So. Uh, Wallenberg hears about this. Uh, his, in fact, his secretary, the lady who contacts him, uh, her dad was one of the men that was on that train to Auschwitz that he saved. Okay. He came home beaten up and she was like, oh, my God, this man Wallenberg has done so much. Mm. Now, she heard about it. Because she saw them taking her her husband away. So she sends message to Wallenberg. Wallenberg rushes out and he's he's well behind these guys. They've they've taken yeah, quite they, a few. They've of got them. a they've yeah. got a head start. Yeah. Um so he finally gets out to the river Danube. They're raising their guns and he's holding boxes, just fucking screaming. He's like, You can't do this. They all have documents. If any of you shoot anyone, I will personally hold you accountable for war crimes. And they're like, Oh shit, this is the fucking Swedish ambassador. He's yeah. going to do it. They know who Wallenberg is. So they lower their guns. He gets everybody away from there and this isn't the first time that it's happened uh there was a time shortly before this that they rounded up women and children out of budapest uh that weren't able to stay in the um in the 32 buildings um line them up in front of a wall and then these nazi officers are arguing with one another oh should we shoot them in front of this wall and they've got this big fucking machine gun just ready to go and they're like maybe we should take them over to the Dudumbe river river it'll be easier to do it there and uh wallenberg shows up same situation gets these officers to fuck off and he saves all these people from being killed um it happened time and time again wallenberg saving people in in situations like this by putting his foot down and just saying this is gonna stop it's a con yeah he's got the confidence it really is he's got documents that seem legit yeah and then he's targeting like the people the nazis that he's targeting are you know officers nobody's questioning it yeah they have some authority but they're they don't know much i'm sure they're not you know involved in hungarian swiss politics if he says i'm the the ambassador they say oh shit i know about that i'm not gonna i'm just gonna listen to this guy like it's so smart because it's not like they have it's not like they have high-ranking generals that are at these executions they just have grunt men that they're like hey go fucking kill all these people clear out this area 
shoot all these Jews in front of a wall, whatever. Mm -hmm. But he comes in and, like I said, just puts his foot down, says that's not happening today, saves everyone there, and people knew his name. Now, unfortunately, in 1945, there is no additional record of Wallenberg. Oh, the he was... last he was seen is he was picked up by the USSR. Um, and like two years later, the USSR reached out and was like, hey, uh, he died of a heart attack in 1947 in one of our prisons. Uh, Why was he in the prison? Uh, they arrested him because they realized that he wasn't actually an ambassador. They arrested him for fraud and a bunch of other bullshit and just locked him up because it's the USSR. Well, yeah, I was going to say he should be extradited then to yeah, absolutely. Switzerland, but or Swe Swiss ambassador? Uh, Swedish. He was Swedish. Swedish ambassador. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like he should have been extradited. But then again, Gulag. Mm -hmm. yeah. No extra exactly. extradition from Gulag. They're, they're not going to do anything for no. that. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, no record of him after 1945. Um, nobody hears from him again. Uh, all in all, Lutz ended up saving right around 62,000 people um, in Wallenberg. They have no idea, but it's well over 100,000, probably two, um, that... They managed to con the Nazis out of killing these people. Solid. Um, I would say at, at a minimum, at least two people. Oh, yeah. At least two to three people. Yeah, minimum. <laughs> um, so both Lutz and Wallenberg uh, have awards that are granted periodically in their honor. Wallenberg has, uh, I believe he has a little memorial in the Auschwitz uh, Holocaust Museum now uh, for it's for courage and selflessness against against great odds um, so yeah a happy uh, uh, fucking mostly happy episode mostly happy episode once again which ha doesn't happen all that often that is um, true yeah so <clears throat> yeah solid are, man solid work I was hoping I was hoping we would cover this guy before or before jesus christ i was hoping we'd cover this topic because there there are a handful of people who really went above and beyond and just tricked people into it's, getting away with this shit like, and i mean even just in the oss people that were working alongside um lutz uh that lutz had either recruited or were doing the same thing as him and not even in the oss uh there are just accounts of people saving the same amount as these two guys, but weren't under weren't working under the OSS. They weren't working under these government organizations. They were doing it. They themselves. were just doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's, like Garbo. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> it's create, amazing. Just doing his own stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, it's it's phenomenal. It. That's so cool to read about. That was a weird noise. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, this might have died. Oh, oh, I'll, uh, I'll actually, I will actually <laughs> edit that will. out in post. <laughs> we will get those this time. Maybe. All right. Well, yeah. you got the uh, Patreon. I suppose so. All right. So patreon.com forward slash points of pressure. We're actually, I'm actually working on stuff for that. And hopefully 
Uh, we usually do like a mid-year break in like June. Yeah, I think it'll probably be the start of June. We might get one or two episodes into June this year, and then uh, yeah, we usually go to like twenty-two or twenty-four episodes, and yeah. we take a break. And then after that, we should. I don't want to make any promises, but we'll be putting a, putting out a lot more content on there. Yeah. So, you guys help us pay for everything and keep this show on the road. Uh, you help us buy Cuban cigars for recording. No, no I'm just kidding. That, no. <laughs> that, that was out of my pocket. <laughs> but, uh, so the, the chair people of the PP is Mini D and Nordic Thunder. Thank you guys so much. One more and we'll have a board. Yep. Um, Abby... AJ's Third Nut, Haley, Lindo, Toddle Waddle, Casey McFacey, Dark Runner, D's Nuts, and Lara Raveau. Thank you guys so much for, you know, letting us fuck around. and <laughs> Dude, seriously. Yeah. Like, actually, actually be able to put out ads and be able to see that growth because of you guys, our patrons. Like, we, we wouldn't be... We wouldn't be here. We like, wouldn't be getting nearly as far as we are. Our our reach, like as weird as it sounds, our global reach would be so much smaller without just all. Just the of fact help. that we have a global reach yeah. is mind blowing, and it's because of you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We can't thank you enough. Um, and as always, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Points O Pressure if you have recommendations for literally anything. Um. We got a book recommendation just the other day and a show note recommendation from Mal. So I'll show those to you when we finish up here. Awesome. But we will catch you guys next Monday. Thanks again. Yeah, we'll see, see you then. See you later, suckers.